It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Okay, lads, so the league continues to deliver. So there was a stat on the RTE website 56% of the games so far have been won by a single score or less, or by three or less. Isn't that great stuff? We're talking on Monday about the different comebacks. Fermanagh with a great comeback against Roscommon, Leach coming back against Roscommon, Kerry against Galway, Cavan against Westmead twice. You just don't get that in the championship, do, don't you not? You don't get those to and fro and one team winning, the other team coming back. You don't get really comebacks because so much of the championship is, is predictable. And hopefully when the, the new championship structure is voted on, we could have all this excitement in the summer when the fields are hard, when every team is at championship uh, pitch and we can have comebacks, we can have excitement. The numbers for the podcast here will go through the roof. <laughs> most, most importantly. <laughs> most importantly. But isn't it, isn't it great? It is, it is great. And that's probably uh, the last couple of National League campaigns has probably fed into that dialogue to create a, a two-tiered or a divisional kind yeah. of championship, a bit like the Champions League and the soccer, which will give us uh, higher quality games. Um, but the National League is, is probably our best competition outside of maybe the semi-finals of the All-Ireland in the football because everything else is a... Even the Super 8s have been somewhat lacklustre. I know they restructured it uh, this year so that there wasn't any kind of uh, dead duck games for the third game. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, it's been hugely exciting, in fairness. It definitely yeah, has. But the evidence has been there for years as well. And it's not just it's not just the National League as well. You mentioned other, Jerry mentioned Champions League. It's in other sports as well that like, you'd swear that when you get evenly matched teams together, do you know, why, why is it, why, would we, why have we been blind to it for so long that like when you get the evenly matched teams, you're going to have more competitive games. Yeah, it works in the hurling. That's it. And like the yeah. thing that annoys me kind of most about the, the tier two kind of uh, debate when it comes to championship as well is that like that the, the counties that are in division three or division four, that they won't get the same chance at the All-Ireland as, you know, the counties that are in division one and division two. But like we've seen that we've seen the reason why is because that when they do, they just get subject to these one sided games that like in the middle of the summer, as you said, when we should be, that should be the, the time for, you know, the best, the best games to happen. So I don't know, like the, with this mounting evidence and, and the tier two about to come in this summer, you'd like to think that somebody will see sense and make this the, the kind of main competition. I think it should. I think that's one of the, it's obviously one of the proposals and we hope to hope that goes through because it always annoys me when you've the people the hurling people saying oh the hurling championship is much better and you're like yeah because Limerick play Tipperary in the first round yeah. and they're all Ireland contenders yeah. we get hammerings for the first <laughs> yeah. until we get into August sure you're not comparing like with like we need Division 1 teams playing each other and then we have we have a comparison great news for Tyrone so the news broke last night that Cottle McShane we called it here on the show we said don't panic about this he's too he's too old this is too much of a risk he's not really It's by the time he makes it and starts earning any decent money and that's already a big risk he won't get that many years earning decent money do you know I'd, I'd say Cahill weighed all that up I'd say somebody potentially from Tyrone might have come in and says here we'll give you a really good job I hope that would have happened and maybe maybe Cahill used, it, used this potential thing nice little holiday for a trial and a potential leverage to get looked after in Tyrone and if was, he did more power to him was he 10 days over there um, I think I'm not sure how two long weeks he, he was meant to go over <clears throat> for okay. anyway yeah, which doesn't seem like a particularly long period of time but, uh, but it seemed up in the air until until last night that he, whether he was going to stay around or not but yeah. as I said to Conan this morning actually he goes he must have been listening to the show because we know Tiernan McCandles because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and just as you said how long but it was going to take but Tiernan McCann said to him Tiernan listens that he does a lot of commuting with his job he's on the road and maybe Tiernan rang Cotton and went mate you're too old <laughs> <laughs> well he said this by the time you start earning decent money you'll have to retire injuries could play a part stay with us didn't did Ron O'Gara do that he was coming up to uh, contract renewal with the RFU and he was on holidays he went to uh, American football game the Patriots and through I think maybe no he never he never went no 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 he ever did he, he go to a game a or yeah no but he he met the owner no, I think through Frankie Sheen or he met somebody just going going to a game yeah, and people yeah. saw them together and and, and said that uh, God he must be in talks over to be a kicker so Gara said sure I'll let this kind of unfold I'll say nothing and it might help me with my contract. He, he did hands. because it was not long after Brian O'Driscoll did the same thing with the or, the owner of I think it was Bordeaux or Biarritz at the yeah, time. Yeah, made a big show down. of going to a Heineken Cup game, met the owner, made yeah. sure he was photographed, and then bam, two weeks later he gets this bumper IRFU review contract. Yeah, so, no, that was it. Yeah. I think somebody from that American me and Connor run a podcast today. Ronald O'Gara told me the story about this on Sports yeah. July, but I can't remember. I think the fella just visited Ireland or so. I think yeah. there was something completely innocuous about this. The way, that, but he did. He probably used it to his <laughs> advantage Aidan O'Rourke's talking on he does a piece on RTE which I read every week and it well this is a bit out there I don't think any of us are going to agree with this but listen I can see where he's coming from he's talking about Sean O'Shea playing at centre half back for Kerry now anyone mar- watch Sean O'Shea marking Brian Fenton will go marking someone is probably not high up on Sean O'Shea's list of priorities I think if Sean O'Shea is centre half back for Kerry playing against Dublin who's he going to be marking Kieran Kilkenny 
that's a bloodbath. Mm. So I can see where Aidan O'Shea, obviously thinking about his great football brain, his distribution, you know, his class on the ball and the potential for him to give good ball into the forwards. But that would be negated, surely, playing against the good teams where there's no hiding place for, you know, for someone who's not prepared to mark his man. We, in 2011, the all Ireland semi-final against Donegal, where they obviously went ultra-defensive, except for Colin McFadden was, was, was outraged that day. I think we, we, we might have won 8-6. Yeah. Mm. Michael Murphy was in his half-back line the whole time. And if they had been more adventurous, uh, they could have possibly uh, taken us that particular day. But as a former centre-back, you're looking at the likes of Sean O'Shea, the talent he has. If he's in the half-back line, I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, in his own half-back line, yeah. rather, you're, you're absolutely thrilled. I think that would be a waste. Um, I know Seamus Moyne, and listen, uh, he had a piece with... Uh, he disagreed, yeah. Uh, what's, what's the lady's name? Marie Crow, authority uh, to yesterday. Um, talk about the signature as well, but... He certainly disagreed. You want to have your your better forward up front. Um, I know defensively, Kerry have been a bit open uh, the last couple of games and even during last year's championship. But uh, that's probably the style of football Kerry play as well. Mm, yeah. Could there be potential for him to play centre half back potentially against Donegal, but not against Dublin? Do you get me? You know, because against Donegal he'll have a free role, and it's nice. It's good. Kieran Kilkenny used to play wing back, for example, with Dublin. You know, against very defensive teams. I know the game is moving against that, away he, from that. He, he's such a good player. He could play anywhere, um, but he's not an out, out and out defender. No, you, you want your more prolific forwards further up the field, and you want the dogs uh, closer to your own goal, uh, and uh, and that's just the way you got to set mm. up your team. But would he do a good job back there? He would. Last year in the Dublin Championship, uh, the manager of St. Vincent's trial, yeah. Dermot Connolly, yeah. sent it back. How did that go? Uh, not it's very the same well. Thing. Not very well. Not very well, no. well at all. We <laughs> succeed you. That was the problem. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so what was Dermot doing wrong? Was he just holding the middle and spraying balls? It's obviously, that's what he wanted him there for. In theory, you can see where that's coming from too. But Teams were dropping off against him. So uh, against us a lot of the time, uh, playing the Donegal style defence. And Sir Dermot had 20, 30 yards of space, but sure, any relatively decent Division One footballer would be able to spray balls around uh, to the uh, the mm. pockets in front of that mass offence. But you wanted Dermot or Sean O'Shea getting the ball on the opposition's uh, 50, who was able to spray the ball through the eye of a needle yeah, 20, closer. 30 yards mm. closer. Yeah. Whereas the most in their backs uh, or backs wouldn't have that precision that uh, like Sean O'Shea or Dermot would have had. No, no, I completely agree. And even if they were to do it against Donegal, like Donegal maybe, you know, in the McGuinness era, pre-2014, let's say. If they were to do it against Donegal this year, Stephen Rochford and Declan Bonner would, you know, come up with a system to not allow Sean O'Shea to dictate it from there. I'd say Donegal would become that adaptable that they'd probably change their tactics, say, well, if they're putting them back there, we have to have a centre-forward who will run him ragged and make sure that he doesn't have the time to, you know, to be picking pockets left, right and centre. Yeah. But I think what Aidan O'Rourke is probably talking about is going back to a uh, a bygone is a bit much but like an era that I remember maybe mid 90s to, to mid 2000s where Kieran McGinney this man beside me do you know the real kind of uh, a stopper centre back that could also play ball that nearly, nearly the, ga- the best of them the game revolved around them the game revolved around Kieran McGinney when he was at his best I thought but I think that the game has moved on um, yeah. to a certain degree that, that that doesn't really happen anymore like def- teams defend and attack as units and you're not as reliant on the, that pivot at six to be kind of dictating everything both from a defensive and an attacking point well, as well. That, that's the point and he named them out so he named Henry Downey he named Seamus Moynihan he named Kieran McGinney he named Graham Canty he named Carol Lacey all dominating centre 
quarterbacks who did, consistently did, did play. Not name me there. Didn't say they didn't give you a shout. I give a text there. But then I was thinking, like, who are the regular centre backs on any team now? Kerry don't have one. They swap it around. Dublin don't have one. You could have Johnny Cooper one day. You could have James McCarthy another day. You could even have like. Burn, uh, Davy Burn, Burn yeah. centre back. Like they just don't mind who plays centre back. Tyrone don't have one. They're constantly chopping and changing. Mm. Donegal don't have one. They have a young Connor O'Donnell playing there the last two games this year in the league. Monaghan don't have one. Um, haven't had one. Galway have been playing John Daly this year, but under Dick, under Dick Bradshaw maybe was their centre back. Yeah. But they, they had no problem changing around. Um, Mayo have Colin Boyle, but again, no, no. Lee Keegan could in. There's no. There's no dominating centre back anymore in the game, and I think maybe you're right. I was trying to think of why that is, and I used to love a good centre, a centre back, and I think years ago it was because only the centre forward used to forage deep and go in and try and get breaks, so the centre back kind of would hold back, whereas the two wing backs would kind of be watching somebody. So the centre back got on loads of loose ball, and you know what I mean, mm. was on it a bit more, and maybe that's the now all three half forwards drop back. Hmm. So the half back line now decides which of us will hold back, Jerry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or which of it? There's no nece- there's no kind of person that does it, uh, you know, on their own. I suppose uh, Connor's right. The game kind of ebb and flow, ebbs and flows uh, far more like nearly basketball. Um, the way it can be played on occasion, but depending on the team that you're playing <clears throat> and the way Forrest Joyce is trying to get Galway to play, he's trying to keep four or five forwards up there the whole time. Well then, I think you do need uh, a pivot there. You do need a, a six there, a strong character who's able to organise the guys around them, particularly when the Galway forwards have the ball in the opposition's uh, full back line. That if they are turned over, that you're set up and you're ready to take what's coming towards you. Um, where teams are just pushing up and defending together, or you're 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 playing against a mass offence. You probably just need a plus one standing on your own 45-yard right. line. Mm. And that doesn't have to be the centre-back. It doesn't have to be the yeah. centre-back. And I know you've talked about this a couple of times where most teams bring out a corner-forward. So maybe the corner-back who's marking a corner-forward is, is a ball player, is a wing-forward or whatever, and he's picking a ball in the middle of the field. So sometimes it could be uh, that particular player is holding the fourth and the 45-yard line and the half-back line are pushed on a bit. But it depends who you're playing. Um, the example of Dublin, uh, getting the matchups right is kind of key. And depending who we would have played over the years, the different uh, style of defenders that we had, Jim would have tried to match like with like. And depending on who we were playing, it might have resulted in, if Keno Sullivan was injured, it might have resulted in a Johnny being centre back. Or if you want the Johnny to do a man marking job, um, it might result in, in, in a Davy Bourne kind of holding the fort or a John Small. But we saw in the All Ireland final replay this year where Jim and Ferencum changed around and, and, and Johnny wasn't doing a man marking job. So he uh, he yeah. played centre back, yeah. He, he was the back, you know, sweeping. So. But that's the thing. So in Dublin's back line now, <clears throat> you just have to be a good footballer. Yeah. And marking has to be part of it. It's nearly have to be an all rounder, yeah. right? There's no mm, such thing yeah. as the traditional. Full back line and half back line, is there? It's well, for me, I think you need a strong character at, at, at three and, and a fairly strong footballer at six who's an extremely good communicator and who mm. reads the game well, yeah. particularly in, in, in the centre back role. Having played a couple of games full back with Dublin, uh, I remember Mark and Stephen O'Neill in the National League in Court Park, like I was right up his arse and he scored four points off me, like you know. 
I said, this is a rotten position. It's, it's like playing a different sport. So, yeah. like, can I please go yeah. back out? Oh, listen, I've played cornerback a few times myself. <laughs> it's a different how, game. How can it? anyone enjoy Gaelic football playing <laughs> back then? Oh, but, yeah. uh, but that's, uh, say, the, the Rory O'Carroll of this world. Um, even uh, they pride Neil, themselves on that, Neil yeah. McGee as yeah. well. Uh, I know Neil's pushed on a bit, still an excellent uh, defender. But um, those lads were delighted just getting a hand in. And if they didn't sell the ball all game, I'm sure they were happy enough once the opposition man didn't get it but no I, I think it depends who you're playing um, it, it's more what would you call it unstructured in, in terms of the ebb and flow guy of football yeah. but you do need uh, good central spine whether it's a strong six with a strong kind of holding kind of midfielder yeah but this thing but they keep swapping it around I, I understand mm. your point and maybe you can even give us the kind of like an idea of what the centre back needs to do for organising because it's the centre back pretty much norm, traditionally that organises the defence yeah. but if you keep changing that man around how can he do that job you know convincingly it, uh, look at Dublin have a, an abundance of riches there certainly at the moment where you have intelligent guys well, well educated not saying actually well educated but the lads are um, most senior to county footballers now from the top teams are all going to third level institutions so they're intelligent guys and so to have an understanding of the role as a wing back the role as a centre back if you end up pushing up the field taking a shot and you find yourself playing corner forward for the opposition kick out you know what you're doing mm-hmm. in the opposition press so you're not sprinting all the way back getting your breath and you're yeah. and the lads get a quick kick out and the ball's kicked over your head so having an so understanding of everyone's role in the say, if, say if you're say if you're centre back mm. and you see Jack gone yeah. he's bur- put the burners on and now James decides to go on will you shout at McCarthy say here James whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Would, would, you, would that be part of your, your job well uh, did we talk about it or was it in the, the show notes we didn't get into but did the super game 2013 All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry uh, Jack and James were, were, were uh, sounds like Jack and Jill going up the <laughs> yeah, field yeah, Jack and James going up the field <laughs> and Jerry left in his own Mark and the Gooch <laughs> trying to but uh, so that was actually a case where it was it was a big game and there was probably nerves and, and, and there was a lack of communication but it's, it's quite difficult to actually hear anyone in Crow Park when it's packed so um, I actually remember uh, with Pat Gilroy a lot of the training games in-house games we used to play 40 minutes of football, like high-intensity championship pace football, or as close to it, A-B games, and you weren't allowed to talk to when you were on the pitch. And it was just pure silence because you're trying to imitate what, yeah, what yeah. you're experiencing. Ah, very good, yeah. right, right. But um, a bit like Shane O'Neill, uh, Shane, what's his name? Um, O'Neill, Keane O'Neill. O'Neill. I love that story. It's a great story. <laughs> right? ah, well, listen, I, at- I attacked that on this show if you ever heard <laughs> it. Oh, I did, yeah. I had no time for uh, that nonsense. Some nonsense. That but, uh, was just silly stuff. <laughs> But, but yeah, but uh, that's interesting. So you just play the game in silence to replicate it. Because yeah. I remember Muggsy talking before before one of the All Irelands that he used to get a headphone and put in crowd noises to replicate yeah. the crowd. Yeah, you Keane know when he's taking a free or the jeering noises yeah. or whatever. So that's it. So say 2013, you got kind of scapegoated that year. You were take was it half time? You were taking half time, yeah. And you were were you dropping off Gooch too much, or were you told to push up on him, or were you following your following your orders? Because I'd imagine dropping off Gooch because because he's such a good passer. Your your covering job is made a lot more difficult, anyway. So what they, what they did really well, I think Dunica Walsh uh, was giving Jack a bit of a run around. And Jack was kind of following them. Um, I can't remember who was on James uh, Wing um, at the time. It wasn't Darren Sullivan around that time. No, could have been. Could have, could have, time, yeah. could have been. Yeah, but uh, uh, the lads were clever. Say so we we'll isolate Jer. Uh, doesn't have light and pace, so we'll just isolate him with one of the best footballers ever and <laughs> so Walsh and uh, if it was Darren O'Sullivan just vacated they nearly dropped 
to their own midfield half back line and the two boys followed them and two boys followed them and we actually weren't supposed to be doing that and you're trying mm. to say lads wouldn't he be a tuck in like, you know but um, that didn't happen but uh, look at we won uh, the lads made a call at half time management uh, Keane dropped back I think Dennis Bassett came in midfield uh, we tightened things up uh, you'll probably notice the contrast in how we were structured defensively it was mm. much more uh, zonal um, for the large part but right and to stop Gooch being able to run into those two into the, yeah. those two spaces either side of yeah. him well I, I don't care if you're any of those guys Aidan O'Rourke mentioned or even uh, Carl Lacey another super footballer um, if you're uh, marking a division one senior uh, county footballer and he has like Crow Park is 90 metres wide yeah. and you're standing yeah. in the middle with 40 whatever 4 metres either side uh, to run into like with kick passes like Harry have that's a pretty challenging task <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so uh, but it was, a, it was a good experience but we, we got things right for the final and, and, and we got through it but um they're all they're they're all learnings, but most teams defensively try to keep say plus one at the at the back, and how that looks for different teams depends on uh, how they want to set up. Like you yeah, know. I think Dublin learned that lesson. Obviously, the following year against Donegal, that was yeah. two thousand and thirteen, when the philosophy was let's just go out and yeah. you know win in a shootout. Well, well, there's one, and I want to do a lot of waffling here. No, no, but, no but sorry, but uh, there was that semi final against Donegal. Uh, I was injured. It was the best game I never played. Um, I think I got more uh, comments, positive comments about not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But but again, uh, I think there was a clip where Rory O'Carroll was marking uh, Michael Murphy. Um, I was in at the game on R forty five on the Cusack stand sideline, and uh, Durkin had uh, his uh, long kick out flipped over the top. One of the McHughes came through. Yeah, and uh, for the third goal, if not two goals in number that game, yeah. just literally a fist over yeah. the midfield yeah, and the space was there. Yeah, and and and, and at the same time, right. <coughs> someone get Brennan onto the field <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was eating a cornet <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, or a hot dog but, but, but uh, Dermot Connolly and Paul Flynn had hit a few whopper points from yeah, outside the of, uh, 45 and Dermot actually um, forced Durkin to a great save for such a big man he was on his, uh, his left hand and if that ball had gone in I think we would have gone oh, maybe five, go six around the ropes up, that and they're on the ropes yeah. and all of a sudden from the next kick out or two we were, we were on the ropes so there's such fine margins yeah. and what we learned from that game was that there are such fine margins in attack but you have to be set up defensively uh, for a feck up up the other end of the field which we weren't in that particular game uh, or the first half against uh, Kerry in 2013 but um that's where a good centre back or a good communicator, a good communicator comes into it. You know, comes into it. Connor, do you have anything to, that you wanted to say there well, before I put it in? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> not particularly when when you've somebody as experienced as Jared that, yeah. that that has that, that is so used to that sixth position. All I was going to say was that you mentioned kind of um, you mentioned Colin Boyle. Like I would say that like uh, and just to get my Mayo speak in here, but like the the, the since the Horan era, say since twenty eleven. Mayo's half back line has been the strongest line, and we still, we all during that period, you mentioned Colin Boyle, but I wouldn't even have Colin Boyle as a traditional six. He's kind of all action. Lee Keegan's not a traditional six. No. He, Lee Keegan prefers when he's actually marking somebody, I find. And Donald Vaughan played there in the first few years, and he was just a line breaker. So, like, I, I think it's kind of nearly a sign of how the game has, has evolved. Like, we mentioned there that, like, Dublin was and Mayo. more than a half back? I remember. Yeah. Way back, back in, back, way yeah. back in 2000. When the Beachy in 06. He yeah. came on as a wing. On. He was just told to score a goal. But he came on wing back that oh, day. I think on. he could have been Marking Shane Ryan or something. In around like that. that time, he yeah. was a wing yeah. back. Yeah. But just a sign of like that 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 
considering that Mayo's half-back line has been its best line for that long and we still really haven't had a recognised centre-back I think is a sign of how in the traditional sense well. yeah but yeah. maybe we need to stop talking about centre-backs how I kind of remember them because look when you're my age and you grew up through the 90s you have an idea of what a centre-back <laughs> yeah. does and you need to just scramble that from your brain now and maybe that's the way and the is. 2000s for Ger as well remember and the two, no but no it continued on into yeah, the 2000s but Keane O'Sullivan kept it going and, and John Small then had a few games there a few All-Irelands there as well uh, but <clears throat> Well, Keane did really well, but again, was... was uh, Keane kind of was uh, nearly a full-time sweeper rather than a centre-back. He was, he was, and again, depending on how far, um, for example, if, if the opposition had possession on their 45-yard line, Keane might play a plus one on our 45-yard line to stop um, uh, a forward from mm. into the pockets. Um, and if they moved, the opposition moved the ball through the hands and they were getting closer to our midfield or 65-yard line, well, that's where you see her, uh, Keane was, was dropping off quite a bit then, you know? Yeah. That that's the way it were. And then John Small did it quite well too. Yeah. I think Keane, Keane played centre-half back in a, for the five, six years when centre-back was the easiest position ever. You literally had no one to worry. You had nobody to worry about. Out, outside of Mayo's blueprints, which was, was effective, but you just used to shoot yourselves in the foot. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, in, in the few drawn games, what have you. But uh, <coughs> that was the only time where Keane was nearly engaged because Mayo did try to play yeah, six yeah, up front everybody else uh, dropped yeah. somebody back yeah but uh, you have to engage the, the centre back as well don't let him have a handy yeah no exactly a bit of news from Kerry lads is that they went, they went to a county board meeting we talked about we're not going to talk about this again we all agree the manager should pick the captain it went to a county board <coughs> meeting of club delegates and it got defeated well it won 50 to 48 but it needed a two thirds majority so it's going, they're going to continue I find this incredible so Peter Keane wants to be able to pick his own captain now this is no slight on David Clifford who will probably be a brilliant captain it's, it's just we would have said it before he picked David Clifford he wants to pick his own captain Emma Fitzmaurice before him wants to pick his own captain Seamus Moynihan a player and the Kerry players think it's better if they pick their own captain and what club delegates vote now nah, we know better than you what would you guys know sure we, we're in control here it just pisses me off about GA <laughs> politics that player and management's wishes can be overruled by bloody yeah. county board delegates at a county board meeting. It pisses me right off. So they're continuing now that the tail is wagging the dog. And I, if, I was, if I was the Kerry manager, I would just pick my own captain. I said, do what you want. If you, don't want, if you, don't, if, if you want that, just get rid of me then. I, that's what I'm doing. Because yeah. Liam Kearns came into Leash and we had that tradition. And Liam Kearns just said, no, absolutely not. I don't remember going to a county board meeting. He just said, no, I'm picking my, picking my yeah. own. That's not. And he's from Kerry. Which was a weird one. Anyways, we don't have time to spend too too long on it. It's just the politics. Um, the politics. What? Of Kerry football make you sick to your teeth. That's it. The politics of Mayo football make me sick to my teeth. Um, okay, last but by no means least, um, we have Keith Ricken, who's the Cork under twenty manager, and he's also GA development officer in Cork IT. So you've probably come across him, Jared, yeah, plenty of times. Well, Sounds yeah. like a great character altogether. Superman, Superman. Is he? Yeah. So I'd never heard of him, to be honest with you. So he was the Cork under twenty manager <coughs> last year when they won the All Ireland. They came back from a disastrous start against Dublin to beat them. Did great team spirit. You don't come back like that without a great team spirit. And they won an All Ireland that they were not expected to win at the start of the year. Obviously, David Clifford and Sean O'Shea 
and uh, Foley and these lads playing with the Kerry seniors helped, <laughs> helped out a lot that way as well. You'd imagine Kerry would have walked that if they had their full team. But anyway, so he had some great quotes. He was across the media. What what was the launch he was at? He was at this... Uh, it was the Electric Ireland Sigerson thing, I think. Something, was like, something yeah. like that. Anyway, so here he is on releasing players. This fellow's a breath of fresh air now. He do, he's a relaxed, easygoing sort of fella. And uh, this is what he says on releasing players. You know... I get requested every week to release players, but I laugh at that. It's like I'm a prison warden. I never will and never um, will stop a lad playing with his club. So v- fantastic stuff. Release them to your club. It just sounds like it does. It sounds yeah. like prison warden language, really, that we're just so used to that that's it. Then he, he talked about underage coaches. I thought this was a great one. He said, um, he's, he's talking about the underage coaches. It was a mentor from the other team shouting, break the tackle, burst out, find a man. Um, he said, and I was saying to myself, I might say that to my 20 year olds, but these these are fellows who believe in fairies, who wet the bed, who do all these things, leave the landing light on until they're 12 or 13. Like, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> like, we know at underage games, you have parents or mentors who think they're Jim Gavin and think that they're trying to live out these fantasies, you know, through children and they'd never get a job that are like under 17, mine mm. under 20 because they might not have a clue but with the under sevens they're doing a job and they think that they're really important and I think it's the gas one shouting instructions at young lads who wet the bed and believe in fair <laughs> believe in fairies so here this is my favourite one this is what he says on what young players want or maybe players in general the three G's and I'd never heard this before he says gear grub and games he says they're the three G's and they're whatever young fellow wants in my day it was a G for girls as well but now they're so focused on football so we leave the girls away for a sec but if you have the gear grub and games once you deliver those three things lads are happy I laughed when I read it like I mean how many times Ger or Connor growing up through teams what do players give out about Gear. We've no gear. We never get gear. And if gear lands in, the excitement of it, like, and we've no grub. So if you start getting grub after training, it's a huge thing as well. And then games, we're training, we've no matches and they're giving out. Like, it is. I don't know if you've heard the three Gs before, but it's a a good one. The problem is, is when it's in that order. When when your priorities are gear, grub and games. I don't think it's necessarily in that order. But if you get the gear, you get the grub, you play well in games, you might get the girls. There you go. So there you go. So it might be the the fourth one. Keith Rickon philosophy. Keith, (laughs) Keith, a great guy. Obviously, you know him well. And and I referenced the lads in DCU last week, Willie, where we're kind of competing colleges we're, we're actually quite close all the GA officers in terms of developing games and organising competitions what have you Yeah. so uh, yeah a lot of time for Keith and he is a bread of fresh air he'd be a great fella on the show you just want to have a good two hour slot uh, available <laughs> and uh, only slagging Keith if he's listening but uh, he, he is a bread of fresh air and you could actually I, I watched their the Munster final the All-Ireland semi-final and the All-Ireland final at the 20s last year <clears throat> and even the way the court players played they just played like the shackles were off it was, mm. just, it was a bit of fresh air just go out and play football yeah. um, play for one another um, you get away with it at certainly 20s senior there's a bit more uh, negativity and tact, uh, tactical yeah. awareness mm. and dark arts and a bit more science involved as well because yeah. you're kind of not too big on backroom teams and you know all the, the hangers on uh, with that kind of stuff as well but you have to be at senior level but I do think that a fella like him with younger fellas because I always found with my underage coaches we responded well to really liking them. Mm-hmm. Right, like it, there wasn't really a tactical game back then, but we, I remember thinking with our minor manager, especially he, he didn't want to come back with us in 96. He was with us in 95 and we went, begged him to come back because we just loved him. He was, a, you know, he really good to us. 
and I think young fellas potentially you get a team spirit around just being really nice to these young lads you know what I mean being mm. like a father figure to them and treating them treating them well if you if you think back well, who was your favourite teacher in school so we all have our favourite yeah, yeah, yeah. you probably don't remember what they taught you you know what subject was but you kind of remember how uh, the major felt, uh, how the major feel rather, um, yeah. in terms of being uh, encouraging you, driving you on, being sympathetic, being compassionate, not being a dick, not letting you away with too much, but uh, not being nasty to you. And, and it's the same thing, and particularly when you're working with college students, like Keith is as well, it's about focusing on the, the positives um, within the individual. And then when someone feels loved, they feel happy, they feel like they belong. And I know we're getting airy fair. You know, no, it's true. It's <laughs> a spiritual podcast. But you want to win for someone that you really like. Exactly. Yeah, like, and exactly. It, that's, yeah. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And you can see that with the way the Cork players played. Uh, I see that in the way Cork IT players play. Uh, when we play against them, unfortunately, UCC get a lot of the better players just the way of the world but uh, they give it everything for Keats and uh, when you have a manager like we've all experienced Mickey Whelan was one great guy for me like that yeah. uh, you do anything for him you run through walls from like you know yeah. and uh, and again we can think of the great teachers and coaches we had uh, growing up and we can remember the idiots as well like you know but, yeah yeah uh, even the interviews that the Cork players used to give after the games last year remember after the All-Ireland like you know it wasn't this Stick that we stuck to the process or anything like that. It was real kind of free flow and real. You could tell that they enjoyed playing for Keith Rickon. As you said, that's that's what they're going to remember years from now. Do you know did, what I mean? Did you, did you hear Jim Gavin giving uh, Kieran Kilkenny's uh, Man the Match Award speech <laughs> after uh, <laughs> I did, the yeah. Kerry game? Yeah. No, uh, it was like listening to Jim talk but, straight uh, out of the Gavin playbook. Oh, yeah. Kieran Kilkenny's interview. Yeah, Kieran, oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, Desi yeah, Farrell yeah. happened to outdo the Jim Gavin in the in the in the interview afterwards, <laughs> which I didn't think possible. I didn't. I didn't hear the Desi yeah. part. But, uh, 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 Desi's yeah, desperate. Yeah. I think Kieran Kilkenny got so boring he said at the end of the Kerry match that he was looking forward to the winter what's he talking about yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense right listen lads we've gone way over time we'll come back with Kieran Sheehan Happiness hit her like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know He's seen the light of Jesus, and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over. The dog days are done. The horses are coming, so you better run. Run fast for your mother, run fast for your father, run for your children, for your sisters and brothers. Leave all your love and your love behind you. All right, so Kieran Sheehan is back from Oz. He's back on the Cork team, and he joins us on the show now. Welcome home, Kieran. Thanks very much, Colin. Thanks for having me on. No bother at all. Come here. How are you settling back in? You're you're back a while now. Uh, back a while now. Yeah, we came back in um, the start of October last year, so uh, settling in quite well now. Um, I came back at a, a good time there. Aero where my club were in the, the latter stages of the county, so. Um, got, got to join up with those lads and, uh, and ended up getting the county medal which was a, a great start to the move back home not too but, bad um, I'd no, say, definitely, definitely settling well very good I'd say even coming on the first game back with the club you were nervous oh absolutely I was, I was nervous before I even got home because um, <laughs> I knew we'd be kind of still going at that stage but um, look I suppose it's kind of one of those fairy tale things because I suppose like even any of the lads that are out in Australia at the moment they, they think about you know you'd be thinking about playing with their club all the time and you know, coming home and winning the county is kind of like what you're, what's going through your mind a lot of the time out there, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, to experience that, look, 
I'm very fortunate, but um, ah, it was a great experience knowing us there. Right, and you talked about Gaelic football a lot while you were out there, because you were out there um, for a long time, and I was reading a quote that said, from the moment I flew out of Dublin Airport, that's out there, I thought about playing with Cork again, and you watched all of Cork's matches when you were out there, you didn't kind of disconnect at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 one of those things, you know. Like you, you grow up loving the game, and then all of a sudden you're kind of you're stepping away from it. And but it it, it still consumes your mind an awful lot. Um, yeah, as I said, look, the, the minute I left Dublin, you know, you're thinking about you know playing with Cork again. Will it will it happen? Won't it happen? Um, but you know, what, like as I said there, I, I kind of kept an eye on all the all the games from from over in Australia. I was watching on Diego there. And, it's just it's hard to, to to tune yourself out from it um, after being so close to it for so long. But um, look, I, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't wishing that I, I'd get another crack at it, another chance of wearing the right jersey. And uh, and uh, look, I, I've been lucky enough that the body has got itself to a position now where I can uh, compete to, to some level anyway um, at intercounty level. So I've been lucky, very lucky, and uh, absolutely, it's uh, it's just it's just great to be back playing. Yeah, because so when you finished up with Carlton, you didn't actually come directly home. I'm just wondering why you didn't do that, you know, because you're 30 this yeah. year, you would have been 28 that year. What was the thinking behind not coming directly home? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, one of the big things, I suppose, was, was the lifestyle out in, out in Australia. Um, I said to my, pet, my wife, Amy, there, we, like, we had experienced the kind of lifestyle from... I suppose it's kind of, you know, when you're a professional athlete out there, a lot of your, your time is, is consumed by, you know, trying to achieve, you know, the ultimate and trying to, you know, get a contract year in, year out. And it's all, all your focus is on, the, you know, the sporting side of things. And look, to be fair, we got to experience some of the lifestyle. But then I suppose when, when the contract finished up there, we, we said this is a wonderful opportunity now for us to really experience kind of Melbourne and Australia for what it is. And um, look, we... we had a couple of years I got a wonderful opportunity working with the AFL Players Association in the, in the player development space and, and that was something I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about and uh, that experience was, was phenomenal so look we kind of things kind of fell into place for us um, when, when the contract finished up um, and look, we, we saw it as a kind of an opportunity for two of us to kind of you know experience Australia from, from a different point of view then Right okay and I suppose was that a good way to transition back into working life you know because I'm sure coming from a professional um, you know, a, pr- a professional lifestyle back to GA and back to working. You kind of bridge that gap in a way, have you? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I, I went back and as I said there, I worked at the AFL Players Association. I was a lovely uh, program manager there and worked with a lot of the past players and, and dealing a lot with the, the transition out of the game with a lot of the players, you know, face a lot of issues when they're transitioning out of the game. Um, and, you know, I got kind of good exposure to that as well. Um, sat down with fellas and had good conversations around, you know, what their plan looked like after football. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, I really enjoyed that side of it. Um, and as you said there, it's probably, it's probably made this transition from my own, from my own kind of career out um, that bit easier as well, a bit of more understanding of, of how it all works and um, to be able to have that connection to sport as well in, in my job straight straight out from, you know, playing playing football was, was, was important for me um, to be able to, you know, adapt to that working life because um, you still have some sort of a connection to, to the footballing world as well. So, um, absolutely, look, it was a, it was a fabulous experience. Um, like two years of working with you know elite athletes there um, from a, a personal well-being side of things and a personal development side of things. So it was, uh, yeah, look, it was it was, a, it was a dream job for me at the time. Yeah. So how does the conversation go when you're leaving beautiful Melbourne to come back to rainy Cork because you want to play football? What's your wife saying? Listen, you might want to play football, but I don't want to play football. Yeah, look, it was uh, look that conversation actually went quite smoothly. Surprisingly, um, look, I 
I um I my wife has been kind of with me all the way. Um, she, she came out to Australia with me at the time, and she she's kind of been through it all as well. So, um, look, we had that two years there. Where we spent some some great time there, just exploring Australia, and um, I think we got to a point in our lives as well where we were saying, you know, we wanted to come back to Ireland at some stage, and. The, the timing felt right. We got married the, the previous December and um, look, we, we kind of said that, you know, let's go home now. Let's try to build a, a career for ourselves back home now while we can. Um, I took that angle anyway. The footballing <laughs> side uh, came in later after that. But look, I, I, I suppose I had a, a couple of years left um, in the body, look, from my own perspective. And I feel like, you know, now is the time to come in and, and cash in in that time that I have left. So, um, look, it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a part of the decision making, uh, certainly. But, um, uh, the, the stronger part of it was kind of coming home and building a career um, for ourselves, you know, professionally as well. Yeah, yeah, mo- and, and moving back home. And come here, you're back on the team already. This is uh, this is good going for a man who spent so long away. Uh, yeah, look, uh, it's been it's been really okay for myself. Um, I look, I've been very lucky, as I said before. There, like Aero, my club, um, you know, asked me to come on straight away, and I was delighted to, be, to just be a part of it and, and be able to have some sort of an impact. But then I suppose the conversation progressed after that with Ronan um, and his team there with Park. And uh, look, I was only delighted to, to be involved. Um, as I said, I felt like I had something to give. But uh, look, time will tell, I suppose, with it. Um, it's still the early stages of the year. Um, hopefully I can, I can add some sort of an impact anyway, be it, be it on or off the field. Um, but so far, so good. Look, we've had a, a couple of good wins, a good start to the league, and um, yeah, hopefully that continues. Yeah, exactly. The, I think I was reading a quote where you're saying that Ronan was really good with you. He wasn't putting you under, under any pressure, and I think that's one thing I talk about on the show of players that come back from Australia. Everybody thinks these lads are going to be unbelievable and we're saved, you know, such and such is back. It puts a lot of pressure yeah. um, maybe on the player that's coming back. Yeah, look, look, on things on this. I think it's uh, it's 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 a slow process. You you kind of have to be patient with it. Um, and I think that your attitude towards it is is the biggest. If you can get the mind, right mind frame um, going back, that you know, look, this this may take time. Um, yeah. And Ronan Ronan definitely took that approach, and he said, look, patience is a massive thing. If it comes earlier than than later, then great. If it doesn't, then we we're willing to bide our time and wait for it to, to happen. And he's been outstanding with that that side of things. And and even the even the high performance staff here in Cork, Kevin Smith and, and Keane O'Neill and have been really understanding with like the load management and, and what I need to do to, to get back to, you know, that level. And uh, that, that's, that's had a massive impact on me and, and my approach to actually getting back into in there because, look, obviously enough, any guy that does come back in and wants to play at that level, you know, you're, you're very eager and you want, you want to play straight away. So there is an element of, of holding back a little bit um, and being patient and, and hopefully that it does come then yeah. after that, you know. You, you definitely picked a very good time to, to leave Gaelic football because we went through five or six years of very, very defensive football and it's starting to turn back around now where, you know, the, the teams are, you know, being a little bit more offensive and kicking the ball a little bit more. So I'm sure you're out there in Australia saying, I'd love to be back playing, but I'm not sure if I'd like to be on a full forward line with, with, with two sweepers <laughs> covering me. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I, I'm still finding it, you know, a bit of a challenge. Um, it, it's still a lot different to, to to when I left. I think, you know, in terms of the way the balls move, the kind of fluency of it. Um, but um, I think you know what people are having a crack now. Um, it, it's certainly it's certainly different. Like we played Donegal there in 2012 that year, and we lost them to the semi-final, and and that 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 was an issue for us was that that ball movement into the full forward line. Um, no, I think it, it certainly has changed. I think teams have got fitter. 
forwards, like your your typical corner forwards, as fit as your you know your wing forward these days. And like they have to be in order to create space and, and create some movement in the forward line. So I think it's it's one of those things that you know with with the game progressing, the high performance is improving, sports science, everything's improving. So the athletes are getting better and bigger and stronger. So it's it's one of those things that you know the game has to open up because the fitness levels at this point. So um, yeah, I've enjoyed kind of trying to trying to find my way in that kind of space, but. Um, it seems to, be, seems to be going okay so far. It's, I suppose it's the real test is in the heat of battle in, in, in championship and, and we'll see how that goes then. Yeah, and I suppose the biggest culture shock for you would be uh, attacking full back lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit of a struggle, all right. I'll be honest. Um, outside the, coming back outside the 45 is a bit unknown territory there. But um, look, it's, it's, it's great to see. It's great for the game. Um, I think, you know, with a full back there coming up to get a score, uh, ends up, you know, up in the other fall and their forward line. It's, it's it's great to see. Um, not so great if you're on the receiving end and the fullback takes off. No. But um, no, I I, I kind of really enjoy. It. I think that the best teams relish that that sort of you know intensity. You know, the best forward lines relish the getting a turnover or hunting the you know them on the attack. And I think that's what we're trying to do there is, is just relish that that side of things. And and hopefully, you know it does translate into games um, in, in, in the important stage of the area. Yeah. yeah, well, tire him out so he doesn't have the energy to run up maybe or something like that. But like, <laughs> are, are, you almost, are you almost learning the game all over again? Yeah, there's certainly an element to that. Um, look, I, I, I suppose, like as I said, I can't speak highly enough of the group of lads that are there at the moment. Um, like, uh, every one of them that's been there um, has you know pulled me aside? Look, you have to be open to feedback as well. And I found when I when I came in, like I was kind of trying to ask guys, you know, am I doing the right thing? Do I need to be, you know, in a certain position at a certain time? And the lads have been great. Like I said, a lot of lads that are still there, like Mark Collins, and like I, I've played with Mark since I was I was very young, and uh, he's been he's been outstanding for me. Brian Harling, these lads that I've played with before, look, they've. It's not just a case of rowing and being patient. It's a case of kind of the group kind of knowing uh, the position I'm in and being patient with kind of my development as well. And they've been outstanding in terms of helping me through that side of things as well. So uh, credit to them. Look, I'm 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 learning a lot more from them, I suppose, than, than what they would be learning from me. So um, it's just it's just getting as much out of, out of myself as I can off the back of that. Yeah, exactly. Come here. How would you look back at your AFL? Um, career like I didn't realise it until I was reading about it how you were like how affected you were by injury I knew you had made it and you'd gotten onto the team early and then you kind of went away and I don't know I don't know at home here where your injuries as publicised you know are, are yeah. publicised as, as bad as they were yeah, uh, look, I, I, I did run into a bit of misfortune right from the injury side of things um, look, I I Eight, eight operations in my four years on a list, and look, if you're, if you're trying to if you're trying to balance that, it's, it's always going to be tough. Um, but I think the key there, like it would look like like Zach Chui there, who's had you know he's been so consistent with injuries and stuff. Yeah. You know he hasn't got any injuries. He's been he's been on the ground every week, and you know that's that's the real key to, to being successful. I think from from an Irish point of view, actually from all players' point of view, when you're playing AFL, is just that consistency of performance. Um, and being out, being out in the out in the track training, um, and and Zach's proven that. And look, I, I suppose when I look back at my own my own career, I suppose like I I had a lot of regrets too um, in terms of how I managed this. And yeah, so look, um, and I I had a, I had a couple of injuries. Um, I, I can't, I'm not going to be around the bush that that held me back. But at the same time, I had opportunities that I probably didn't take as well. Um, look, I I. I suppose we had three coaches in the space of four years as well, which is unheard of for an AFL team. 
Um, there was a lot of change going on. There was a change in culture nearly every year. Um, the most previous manager I had, Brendan Bolton, like we didn't exactly um, have the, the, the greatest relationship either. Um, you know, so it was it was just a, a, a series of a few different events. Um, I look back and say, look, it was an amazing experience in terms of the career itself. Look, it was a disappointment from from what I wanted to achieve. Um, but look, it was as I said, it was, it was a massive experience from a personal point of view, which has kind of. I suppose added to, to my own character from that sense, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm really happy. I've no regrets of, of the decision I made. Um, maybe a few regrets on the, the performance side of things. Right. So, like, I mean, just to give people an idea of you know the injuries that you, that you had. So, like, I mean, you played yeah. uh, 14 games VFL in your first uh, year, and then you played your first AFL game. Um, was it at yeah. the end of that season as well? You were over at the end of 13 and then in 14 you made the breakthrough. Then right. in 15 you started getting a pain in your pubic bone. You ended up having to get both hips, surgery done on both hips. Then you came back yeah. in, in, yeah. in 2016 and you got a stress fracture um, on your in your foot. Um, yeah. And then you had to go back in for more surgery on one of your hips and that kept you out of 2016. You came back and you did your knee, you did your lateral ligament and you ruptured your hamstring tendon off the bone. Yeah. It's, holy shit. Yep. Like, I mean, yeah. right, I'd be gone yeah. home long ago if I was you, Kieran. Like, I mean, yeah. And then you... you oh, you've your homework on there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, you come back in 2017... Um, and it was like something like, yeah, you were saying it was eight operations over over four over four years. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Look, 2017 was probably my best year. That was my last year. Um, and I had, I had an injury interrupt, like uninterrupted uh, preseason in terms of injury, and got a good run, and ended up playing a couple of games um, towards the back end of the year. But my body was in a great position at the end of 2017. And look, I, I wanted to continue playing at kind of a, a high level there as well. Um, and I played look, a semi-pro level over as well for that two years that I was, I was working with the, the AFL Players Association. All so, right. Look, I, I, I kept the body in kind of in good shape, you know, when it, when it came to that. And I, just, like, I always kind of thought that, you know, if there was a sniff of a chance of playing with Cork again, that, you know, I'd have to be keeping myself in some bit of shape. So um, that was kind of a part of it as well. But look, as, as you said there, 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 there is a list of injuries there, but in, it, uh, you grow as a person off the back of, you know, injuries. And yeah, I went through, you know, some, some dark times. Um, you know, everyone knows the drill there when you're injured, like being in a rehab room on your own, you know, yeah. wondering, you know, what, what am I doing here? But I, I, I suppose the biggest, biggest thing that I kind of look back on is the advice I give is just, always ask yourself the question why you know why why am I here why am I doing it and uh, look I always had the, the answer that kind of drove me um, and, and, and that's what kept me going really you know Yeah like I mean you, you, they can't really be regrets because you're, you're, it's your body kind of letting you down but like I had injuries throughout my career at the worst times missing big games and I always think back geez, if I hadn't got them you know and I, I Zach is a great example because I look at Zach going geez, you don't know how lucky he doesn't know how lucky he is never I being know, never, never being injured He's just like he's a bit of a freak athletically, but like the thing that I see here, you had two years where you didn't have injuries, and you made the the senior team in both years. Do you know what I mean? So like, it yeah. must be a bit of frustration there. Like you were getting, you were able to get on that team. It's just your body didn't didn't give you the chance. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, you know yourself, like it, it is very frustrating. I like you know standard set for myself. You know you go over there with with the idea that you make it as as a pro um, and long term. Um, look, they did the average career six years. Um, I'm two years short of that. So look, 
it's, it is a ruthless industry and, and the game itself is, is very, very physical. Um, like, yeah, I've never, I haven't seen any game like it. Um, even like, you know, you're, you're covering 14, 15K in a game and you're doing that week in, week out for 22 weeks. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's on top of the impact and, you know, you're, you're off the ball wrestling, you know, there's, there's so much to the game that's, that's different from the Gaelic football side of things. You know, so, there is transferable so, skills. Sorry, Kieran. So, so were, you, were your injuries, like the knee injury and things like that, big, uh, as a result of the physicality of it or was it just the wear and tear of, you know, the gruelling nature of it? Yeah. I think, I think that the, the hip injuries themselves and the foot injury, that was more um, load management. I was just in, increased load in terms of what I had been doing back here. Um, and it was the, just the running. Um, that the, the, the running increased no end and, and the body just broke down. Um, when it came to the, the knee and the hamstring injury, that was kind of a free tax. Going back with the flight of the ball and someone coming from behind didn't see him and got a knee into the, the side of the leg and thought it was a dead leg and got a scan the next morning just as a precaution and, and the hamstring was off the bone. So um, it was it was one of those kind of freak incidents. Um, but in terms of, in terms of the, the physicality side of things, I, I, it, it was nothing to do with that. Um, it was more just the load load increase um, that kind of my body broke down and this is my this is my point around you know guys going out at an older age um, and they seem to be the Australian Cup seems to be doing that more now um, it would be a bit of a worry from my end um, in terms of how your body's developing um, like your 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 main developmental stage would be you know between 18 and, and 20 um, and I think that's that's a crucial time that guys need to go out to, to, for their bodies to develop and adapt to you know how the game's played, how the, the physicality of it, um, the running capacity, all that sort of stuff. You know, you know, between that age of eighteen and twenty, you know, that's where you get your your most benefit from. No, I'm not saying if you do go a bit older, you know, that that things won't work out for you. But what I'm saying is, I think you have a better chance of really making it and pushing on between the age of eighteen and twenty. Right. Um, look, and that's that's just from experience. Uh, my own experience, I suppose, and I don't know if Tommy Walls feels the same about it, but he, you know, he went out a little later. Um, and so look, I suppose anyone can say that, you know, you could go out at, you could go out at 24, 25 and make it too. Um, it's just uh, off the back of what I've experienced and what I've seen. I think that the prime age there is, is between 18 and 20. Well, that's it. We were talking about that on the show with Colin McShane. He's 24. And I was thinking by the time he does his two years kind of rookie, learns the game properly, then maybe he's 26. He might only have four years ever playing. That's if everything goes perfectly according to plan, which you know they never, you know, very rarely do. Yeah. He, he's obviously decided not to go out. Probably yeah. the right decision in your experience then. Um, look, I, I suppose it's, it's very hard for me to, to uh, like, I, I think if, if, if someone wanted to go for it, it's very, like, you have to focus on the individual, what are the individual, individual circumstances, yeah, yeah. what are their goals, what do they want to do, what they want to achieve, so it's kind of wrong for me to kind of say if you should or shouldn't have went, um, but I, 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 what I can say is I think that, you know, if you are going out a little bit later, maybe the odds are a little less against you. Um, and that's that's kind of what that would be my view on it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Come here. I'm not going to keep you much longer. You have down next. There are obviously some lovely memories um, for you. It's in Division Three, which is a, a funny one for you to play down. Um, you know, after 2000, yeah. 2010, it's now in Division Three. You just there's no doubt. You just have to get out of Division Three, and that's it. I'm sure down are thinking the same thing, especially with this Tier Two um, after coming yeah. in. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a big focus for us. For us, we knew it. I think from the start, you know, it was um, it's 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 
it's something that we kind of it's a place we don't want to be let's be honest I don't think it's a place that anyone wants to be and we're we're working hard we're taking every game as it comes um, every opposition is the same for us we, we've got a set structure and plan in place um, look it, it takes a bit of time to develop um, but that's only natural we've got a lot of younger guys on the, on the squad as well um, but uh, absolutely look we're, we're going out to win every game our, our goal our goal for now is to get out of Division 3 um, but that that means you know scaling it back and taking every game as it comes Um but it's, it's exciting to match up against Down again. I think, um, obviously, we, we played them in the league the year after as well, the National League up, up there in, in Norrie, and we got came away with a win, and that, that was a great battle as well. So, um, yeah, traditionally, I suppose, any, any experience I've had of Down, no, we beat them in under under 21 All-Ireland final as well. So we've had, you know, some good battles with them. Um, so it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, going out to Park Street now that the pitch is in... in great condition at the moment and um, yeah hopefully people come come and have a look and, and see the, the, the exciting talent I suppose that's coming through in Cork football Yeah exactly listen well best of luck with it uh, Kieran, and best of luck for the year it's good to have you back thanks for taking the call Thanks very much Colin I appreciate it thanks Emilia Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D, we're at home by where Bernard, I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D and in around that area. Watch for this in the semis and the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bound in a, in a crowded area, but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're looking <laughs> well, at me. Well, a crowded area, is it? You're <laughs> looking at me with such a confused, <laughs> a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there in a crowded area. Yeah, watch for it. All right, so predictions. And um, I'm going to make no apologies for saying that we're concentrating on Division 1 games this week because they are the most interesting. There's no doubt about that. We have Dublin Monaghan, we have Donegal Galway, we have Tyrone Kerry. Um, they're the three big games of the weekend. You could argue Armagh Kildare is a very big game in Division 2 with a lot of pressure on it and Cork versus Down in Division 3 as well, which is a, a lot of pressure on that and probably a top-of-the-table clash. I want to start off with Monaghan lads against Dublin because we speak about Dublin all the time. But Monaghan are very interesting and I didn't really realise that Monaghan were very interesting until I started doing a little bit of uh, research into them and looking through their team and I couldn't believe it. So like, I mean, their team against uh, the last day against Tyrone, they had Kieran Duffy, Connor Boyle and Ryan Wiley in the full back line. Um, like, I mean, Connor Boyle and Kieran Duffy. Kieran Duffy's played as a third midfielder. Connor Boyle has played as a half back. Look at this half-back line. Carl O'Connell, Desi Ward, Michael uh, Bannigan. Desi Ward is a wing forward. Michael Bannigan plays in a full forward line for DCU, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ger. He's played corner forward, he's played centre forward, and we know what Carl O'Connell's like. So immediately that's jumping out at me going, holy shit, what mm. a half-back line. Now I'm getting excited about Monaghan, right? So then you have Darren Hughes and Niall Kearns who are in midfield, and they sit. We know Darren Hughes is... Uh, does that a lot, kind of plays the Colin Cavanagh role and drops back. Kearns is doing that as well, allowing these three um, attacking players to attack from the half-back line. Half-forward line then, you have Ryan McInespy, who does a, a all-over-the-field job. Uh, Dermot Malone, the other wing, who does an all-over-the-field job. Connor McCarthy then, Jack McCarron, Kieran Hughes, Connor McManus, all stay up front. What a lovely mm. attacking Banty. What about that? Like, I mean, we know Banty... Isn't uh, I thought Monaghan were going stale under Malachy O'Rourke and did a terrible year last year and they needed this fresh um, input and that's definitely a new way a new way of looking at it and here's a stat from Tara O'Kane um, from the Irish News different scores Division 1 uh, 
teams and different scorers throughout their teams after the first two games. Monaghan have 13 different scorers. Kerry have 12. Galway have 12. Donegal have 11. Dublin have 10. Tyrone have 10. Mayo 9. Mead 7. Monaghan 13 different scorers. They're attacking from all over the field. They're using their midfielders to drop back Jer instead of maybe a half back. They're picking a, practically three forwards in the half back line. This is bringing the game on to a new level altogether. Maybe not. I'm exaggerating it a little bit, but picking three, arguably three forwards in your half back line. It's it's, it's obviously Banty was there before, and there's a couple of guys that are probably still uh, part of the squad. And I think it's important to bring a freshness uh, freshness to uh, the setup. I think Malika work fully agree with you. He, he stayed a year too long, uh, and it is hard to motivate fellas. I think did he do six years, seven maybe in the end? Yeah, one or um, two. So you know, there's only so much you can uh, get across the fellas guys will become tired despite their um, um, what would you call it this, their personal motivation you just get tired listening to the same fella so yeah. Banty's obviously coming in he's giving the lads something new to work on which will kind of whet the appetite and give them something to focus on it's still very very early days uh, in the league guys are still kind of getting back to fitness or whatever trying to figure uh, things out so it's hard to buy into some of the results sometimes but yeah but it's um, definitely it's, it's a departure <coughs> if he's leaving the four forwards up which is Jack McCarron Kieran Hughes Conor McManus and Conor McCarthy Kieran Hughes Kieran Hughes goes gone, out to me well he got a red the other day he, he got, he got a, a red yeah, red, so. yeah. yeah. but he's I think a couple of lads got black cards so he ended up going back out around the midfield and stuff like that mm. to cover but if you've got those four, four forwards staying up they don't want to track they don't want to go back and they can get marks you know, they have they have different... They, Jack McCarron. Now, Jack McCarron, in big games, I'm not sure if he shows up enough for me, but Conor McManus, we know, does. Kieran Hughes is a complete handful and Conor McCarthy, being left as a forward without defensive duties, he, we know he has a wand of a left foot, as you know well. Yeah, so with Conor in UCD for probably five years and he's with the IT then doing his Masters this year. So I think Conor, I would say, he didn't discuss this with me, but... Knowing him and uh, watching him play for Monaghan and, and UCD, I think his confidence was probably knocked a bit um, the last couple of seasons because he was being taken off far more frequently than some of the other lads. Now, Jack McCarron had some great league campaigns and I would agree went missing in some of the bigger games in Championship. And the way Malik O'Rourke, for me, was setting up the forward line, it was Kieran McManus. Uh, plus with one. Plus one. I was either McCarron or McCarthy and McCarron was, was just ahead. Uh, but I think with McCarthy being given game time now, I hope he gets a good few games. Where Where's his best position? Uh, He's playing played 11 there. but I 11 for me is his best position because he is a, an excellent distributor of the uh, of the ball and he's also well able to kick scores outside the left, inside the left. Um, so if the pass is on, he'll give it. He has good vision. Um, but he's also well able to take his own score as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, they, they hammered Tyrone and like they went to Salt Hill and we're only pipped by Galway, yeah, who went down to who went down to Shirley and were very unlucky not to be Kerry. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So like, it's been, this has been a very good start, and we I think we all predicted Monaghan to go down. I'm changing that prediction. <laughs> so you I'm mentioned that to me. I'm yesterday, sticking yeah. Mayo into that. Uh, <laughs> I think I had Mayo to get, win the league finally. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't. Oh, Jesus. Hold on, let's we'll see how things going now. Who, this again. No, but I've, I've changed my mind because looking through that team, there's a huge freshness to that now, and the the age profile isn't that old. Do you know? And like, I mean, it's just. 
they seem like they seem like they they they're a very offensive looking team now. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point about or the Colin age. Colin Walsh isn't even mentioned yeah, in there. It's a good point about the age profile because I think the inclination certainly for me last year was because the way just the season went last year, as Jarrah said, uh, Malik O'Rourke stayed on a season too long. But because when you had the likes of Desi Moan and Vidi Corey stepping aside as well, there was just there was a feeling there that like this is the natural end of this great Monaghan team for maybe the last five or six years. But when you look through that, then the age profile is actually, as you said, quite good. And when you mentioned the spread of scorers there as well, uh, just Jack McCarron got a free, Conor McManus, who apparently, like I only saw the highlights and, and just read a match report, wasn't that much of a feature, and th- which is very strange when you consider how uh, integral Conor McManus has been to Monaghan over the years. Yeah. And Kieran He's also 34, so yeah, McManus, yeah. McManus is just so accurate exactly, he's played yeah. for as long. But that's it, but like the spread of scorers coming from elsewhere in the team and not being so reliant on McManus and kind of the lads around him, and especially when you have, when you're putting the likes of uh, Michael Bannigan back in the half back line, it's a completely different, uh, it's a, it's going to be a completely different Monaghan team, I think, to what we've been used to kind of and seeing the over thing, the last and few years. Apparently, they kicked the ball a lot against Galway because it was that type of game. Against Tyrone, they couldn't do that because uh, Colm Cavanagh was dropping back, so they ran it a little bit more. So there's that little bit of flexibility with their mm. game plan as well, which every team should have a running game and a kicking game. It makes no I keep saying on the show, what kind of sense does it make to have only one way of playing? How easy is that to defend against when you can mix things up? That's when you, you know, that's when you can really hurt teams. Uh, and, and, uh, listen to Banty talking after the game. He, he, he said he's very pleased uh, with the performance because they were trying a couple of uh, different tactical uh, and, and structural things uh, playing against uh, the Tyrone defence. And he's very happy with those, uh, how, how those things worked out. So, yeah. so he's obviously trying to get guys to be able to evolve and think on their feet. The long ball's on, I'll give it if it's not. Let's use your smarts. And what's right, right in saying as well that Monaghan got Peter Donnelly in as an SNC coach? I think the he did, yeah. They have him well, in there, Which is probably yeah. a big coup. Which is a big coup. Like. And one thing Banty will have is that old school get feckin' stuck into them. Yeah, and Monaghan yeah. have that naturally anyways. They have that, you kind of know... The, you know the level of aggression and intensity you're going to get from them. They don't usually drop off that kind of thing. It was Kieran Duffy who was nominated for an All-Star. He got something like three or four goals in a season. He's cornerback. Colin Boyle, or Connor Boyle has scored two points in the first two games. It was him, remember, saying he just ran completely up the field unmarked against uh, Galway. Yeah. And he got another one against uh, he got another one against Heron. Carl O'Connell got a point. Desi Ward got a point. <coughs> Uh, Michael uh, Bannigan I didn't know much about him but he's, a, he's an out and out forward playing wing back absolutely uh, very excited about Monaghan I have to say Desi Moan had a quote I was uh, I was uh, pulling this up on Twitter yesterday because he said you know they've done well against Dublin in the league but like I mean that doesn't for me that's not going to tell them too much he said I also or I always thought that Monaghan had the players and the matchups for this Dublin team um, for the last couple of years that's why I would have liked if we got through that 2018 All-Ireland semi-final you know the one they lost to Tyrone and then played like they lost the 2017 quarter-final to Dublin 119 to 12 points it was a bloodbath now they came through the qualifiers uh, that year I think but at the same time they've been Dub- in the league that year I think in the, mm. beach, the, in the last Twice. four meetings in the league they've, Monaghan have won two and yeah. the other two have been like a point or something you know yeah. and, but like Monaghan playing Dublin in the league is like an all-earned final to Monaghan and it's yeah. another league game to Dublin. Yeah. I, I don't it was like the first game of the season last year. It was, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the mark up there. Yeah, yeah. One of them yeah. was in Crow Park when Dublin had already qualified for the league final. That, that was another yeah. one. That was the yeah. other one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like, I mean, that, they, it's very obvious, Jared, that they're using that as, as confidence. I have not, no problem with that. This is Dublin in the league. Let's try and beat them. And you wouldn't even say that... They, 
you would know that Dublin might not be at the pitch you're at, but still you've beaten them. Desi Moan has himself convinced that he would love to get them in an all Ireland final based off league games, not even based off the the championship hammer in the tuck. Do you know what I mean? But it's easy to convince players, I suppose. That's sports psychology, right? Yeah, Desi's probably been a bit speculative. Um, if, if Monaghan were to go out this season and try to do the same thing again, they'll end up with the same result. They'll get through a lot of games, but they, they lose against the better teams. And again, that's what happened with uh, Malik work last year. But what Banty's trying to introduce him again, the fact that he uh, they played one way against Galway, and obviously Galway being more offensive, there was going to be a couple of uh, holes in their own defence um, if they were turned over. So Monaghan tried to kick it in, uh, and the last day against Throne, who were generally more defensive, uh, they were happy to be patient in their in their build up and uh, be, be be smart in possession. But uh, Dublin, uh, I can only see Dublin winning. Uh, so I know we're, I know we're not going to plan the predictions yet, but uh, it's hard uh, based on how Dublin have gotten on the last two games. It's, it's hard to see them um, lose against Monaghan, but at the same time. Monaghan, uh, that fast-running game, guys exploding from the half-back line, cornerbacks. Uh, they can hurt the hard, Dublin with that team. Exactly, and yeah. the, hard, uh, the hard ground, Crow Park then as well. Again, Crow Park is the same surface all year round. So Yeah, no, exactly, I'd agree with that. Dublin for me, but Monaghan can definitely hurt them. This will be, ex- be a very exciting game. Would you agree in a word, Connor? Yeah, we move yeah, on. Um, Dun- Donegal, Galway, lads. We know that I have a thing about Galway, Dave. Their team announced um, already and Sean Mulcairn their full back who actually is from the Aran Islands lads which is incredible and he's in NUIG so during the year that's fine during the summer he goes back to the Aran Islands to back home for the summer like all students kind of do and he works there and he has to commute for training and he like I mean the commute involves a ferry and an overnight stay yeah. in Galway and coming back on the ferry the next morning. It's incredible stuff, isn't it? That's, but that's commitment. Yeah, yeah, so I was trying to find out what the story of Sean Mulcairn. We all know Sean Andy O'Kelly was the, was the big centre-back f- or full-back for Galway under Kevin Walsh. And my information is that Porrick Joyce doesn't fan- fancy Sean Andy. And I can see why. Like Sean Andy is like probably a bit of a crowd favourite and he's a big burly fella. He loves to... R- go on kind of trips up the field mm. and you could find him anywhere but he's not a good man marker and he's to be honest he, his his football brain wouldn't you know you wouldn't I think he's all physique and all inspiration whereas wh- wh- what his football brain position wise or marking wise he might be suspect apparently Joyce isn't isn't uh, well he, he's not he's not being picked Declan Kine's gone off the panel and he was a regular in the full-back line. Joyce doesn't fancy him either. And uh, I was asking about Owen Cairns as well, the cornerback, and I'm not really too sure about him or where he is. But he has Sean Kelly and Johnny Heaney, the two cornerbacks. This is a departure. Like, Sean Kelly, he was wearing number 10, but he's been playing kind of wing-back. But he's not a cornerback. So it just goes to show where, where Galway's heads are at, especially potentially playing Donegal, who will be dropped. Against me, Donegal dropped an awful lot of players um, back into the midfield area they pressed up in the kick out then dropped back and Mulcairn was talking about Joyce's philosophy and he says his philosophy is simple really you get the ball and you move forward he always says the ball is the fastest thing that will travel on the pitch so that's what we're trying to implement we're not quite there yet but we're getting there all makes perfect sense to me move the ball fast to beat the retreating players you know that's fine um, but I suppose against a team like Donegal Ger, you know, unless they can get the ball down there and be very aggressive, which they are, 
they will be finding a sweeper and make it more difficult for themselves. And, and, and they'll be finding two and even three sweepers and um, what Donegal did against me and seeing the highlights and listening to the review on, on Monday with Colin Kelly and Colin. Um, they're so good at just sprinting back if they're not getting the kick out and it's just the way they set up and they like to break from the half-back line and Donegal are going to do the same thing again. It'd be a big challenge to the Galway players and the Port Joyce. Um, what's he going to do this week tactically? Is he well, going to yeah. look, um, to get them to be more patient? Obviously, play the offensive play if it's on, but but uh, if it's not on, um, you can't be running down blind alleys. And what Donegal are great at doing uh, is sucking you into that little middle part uh, channel of the field, and then four or five big Donegal men will just turn you over and yeah. off they go. So it'll be a challenge to the Galway players, and I think it's up in Letter Kenny as well. Um, I know the three pitches there they used to bring us up to Ballyshannon which uh, anybody familiar with the, the Dublin Leagues uh, St Jude's pitch in Time and North and the St Anne's and Bourne and Breed like, had, a, had a hill and boat house so you're playing the hill boat house <laughs> Ballyshannon used to be like that so it'd be tough up there up in Letterkenny yeah, like, yeah usually it's Bally Buffet it's a good record in yeah. 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 I don't think they've lost to. a league game there in like 10 years or something yeah, like that because they've them twice I tell you they're, they're, they're playing the percentages I, I know they probably talk about well we want to move such a big county we move around with three county count, uh, we have three county grounds but Donegal will be thinking there Galway they like to play some nice football based on what we've seen so far so let's bring them uh, miles away uh, onto a lesser pitch than Bally yeah. Buffet is definitely the better of the three fields but um, it'd be a good trek from Galway to Letterkenny as well yeah probably three three and a half four hours I'd say too so just to add, add, add to it but it wouldn't be that much you know the West I'm not going to put you up in the West we, did, did, we were talking about this on Monday Galway can't fall into the same trap as Mead and go short with their kickouts and allow Donegal head back. So what's the point of that? They they ruined their win ad, wind advantage by not getting it down the field. If Donegal are pressed up, Galway go long from all their kickouts. Galway can then use their kick passing game and move that ball in fast before Donegal can get set up correctly. And I think that's where Donegal can really hurt or Do- Galway oh, no. can really hurt Donegal. I'm interested to see this from a tactical point of view to see, you know, if I start seeing the Galway goalkeeper kicking it out short and then Galway trying to play a kicking game when Donegal are back I'd be like Jesus this makes no sense do you know what yeah. I mean whereas if they go along with all their kickouts and avoid the Donegal press and then play their nice football I'd be like that's smart yeah Go, if, if, if you were to substitute Galway into Park Tolton last weekend for that first half where Mead I can't think of the corner forward he kicked a lovely point um, first ball in uh, oh. on the off his right foot, he, he just got a ball in. He turned to keep the me corner forward. Uh, the first point, the last day. Killian O'Sullivan, <coughs> not Killian O'Sullivan. Um, oh, another fair-haired fella, Thomas O'Reilly. Thomas O'Reilly. Thomas O'Reilly. Thomas O'Reilly. Um, Thomas O'Reilly. Um, I, th- I think the possession that Mead had in the first twenty odd minutes for uh, with the wind and Park Tolton, a Galway team based on how they're playing will have far more scores on the board. You'd imagine that, which would draw Donegal out. Whereas because Mead hadn't got so many scores on the board, Donegal were comfortable in playing their system and trusting the system and knowing that we will create opportunities which they obviously did yeah exactly Claire, we'll get uh, we'll get a prediction on this quickly I'm, I'm, geez, I'll go for a draw here two teams two teams I like obviously Galway I love but the home <laughs> advantage is weighing up the draw there I'm going to go Galway just just Galway just Jared. I'm going to go with a draw yeah. <coughs> go with a draw as well yeah. okay right 
Tyrone and Kerry uh, next lads and we're talking about all the goal chances that Kerry gave up we we know Colin McShane is back in for Tyrone he comes straight back into the team as far as I'm concerned all is forgiven um, he'll cause Kerry problems like I mean Kerry the last they were missing Tyg Morley um, Thomas Sullivan and Peter Crowley who's back as well and Peter Crowley could be that holding stopper centre half back Seamus Minehan was talking uh, he was doing all the media yesterday because I think he was at that uh, higher education launch and he was talking about Peter um, Peter Crowley potentially coming in and helping out the defence I'm just wondering if like when Kerry picks such an, an offensive forward line they're not going to get any help really defensively from their forward line not too much so where do they get the help from, Jer? Is it like a, a matter, like we said, about where are Kerry falling down defensively? Is it a matter of the, so nobody's there to organise it? Nobody's organising it well? Nobody's telling one of the wing-backs, don't follow, hold back? You know, is this an, an, an organisational thing on the field? I, I, there was one or two of the league games last year where Kerry tried to play somewhat defensive and it, it didn't really suit them. Um, I think the first game down in the Fitzgerald Stadium uh, yeah. uh, against uh, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, they they like to play football. They like to push on. You need this is where a strong six for me would would would, would come into play, where you you have a guy who's organising the troops, regardless of um, whether they're a corner forward or regardless of the number on their shirt. If Connor is is is, is wing forward and he's and, he, and he's tracked all the way back to the corner back position. And our corner forward, our corner back has gone to the field. I'm going to say, Connor, hold the fort there. Uh, we need to keep one extra guy here in case we get turned over. And that you do have a defensive platform. So you're defending, facing the play as opposed to defending, which Kerry's been doing a lot of the time, running towards your own goal, which mm. is, is a dangerous position then to yeah. be in. So uh, they have a lot of kind of man markers, uh, um, the way Peter Keane seems to set them up. Yeah, but they I seem to be all given a job and they're all following their men. That works to a point. Like, yeah, two or three fellas need man marking. Uh, you can give, for me, I wouldn't be given more than maybe three man marking roles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and other than that, then I'd be getting fellas to hold the position within, within reason. You know? You're right on that. And it, like, obviously, Owen Merchant's goal in the other final replay came from everybody being too worried about their own man. Because yeah. at what point do you say with Merchant, shit? Yeah. I'm leaving my man and going and they were getting good at that because that's what Mayo are great at mm. they're great at sensing danger and saying well my man's not a problem here I'm going to go help somebody yeah. else now in their defence if I'm watching that live I think Moran just has him he has him yeah. he has him then all of a sudden he doesn't have him but like I mean I suppose somebody needed to spot that danger and come across even if you have a man marking job to come across and act like a sweeper in that position. Had Owen Merch never scored a goal in championship football either. See, I that's don't the think thing. I, I would be. I would be less critical of that because I didn't. Yeah. If you're watching that live, you don't shout goal and nearly until the yeah. goal's in the bloody net, don't You'd you? Know? Let him have it because you're probably think he's going to give it off to somebody else. Yeah. But Tyg Morley, they, they, they analysed it fairly forensically after as well. Tyg Morley just left that split second. Owen Merch is so fast, but uh, Tyg Morley did come across, but it was just too late. But that's I'd let them off for that one. But there's but there's a lot of incidents just like that. The two goals that. Uh, all right, the goal got two goals at the weekend, but they definitely had a number of goal chances where, similar to that, like a man didn't abandon his own man for the, until the last second, and by that stage it was too late. Uh, Shane Welsh goal and uh, Johnny Heaney scored obviously, and then they did another. Shane Ryan made a save then in the Ali uh, from Anton Ali yeah. as well, yeah. And then going back Comer to Comer had goal two goal chances. Damien Comer, Rory Dean uh, against Cork uh, for for Cork against Kerry um, was a couple of years ago in the Munster final when Cork got three goals or two or three goals in the first few minutes as yeah. well. That was another example of. 
you know, Kerry, the, the, their defenders will just have to realise that sometimes you just have to accept a point. A point is just the safer option rather than let somebody go on goal. And there hasn't been enough, and I think that's because of the absence of a leader. There hasn't been enough of that from Kerry, that they're not saying, listen, we just have to forget about your own man. Forget if your man scores three points in the first half. If you prevented a two goal chances because of that, well, then that's the best well, way to so go about it. D- just to on that, right? So this is always the conundrum for fellas in the full back line so you're right I know as a forward where goal scoring was never a forte of mine so I'm running through bearing down on goal and there's a full back line all marking their men so now if they stand off me and just keep standing off me they make my life very easy if one of them steps up not rushes out to me I'll just throw it over his head that makes my decision easier but one of them kind of rushes me and then kind of doubles back you know scares me into the pass now I'm giving a loopy one over his head he could turn around potentially and surround the man that catches it you know like in a way Kerry how do you learn that or like that's something you either have good defensive instincts or not or is that coachable that's coachable it is and it's probably not being coached then based on the evidence and I think the the, the fault is probably the wrong word but the, the responsibility in, in that case and actually listen to you referenced Kieran McGinney in the last piece where uh, obviously Leash uh, bet in the weekend but um, he took responsibility for whatever they did during the week and how he hadn't set up it didn't work but Peter Keane has to take responsibility that um, in the same way it doesn't matter who puts the ball over the bar once you win the man the best position gets the ball it doesn't matter who's defending who if your guy is stopped mm. you've yeah. got to cover the goal yeah. if your guy is going to get a point um, you've got to cover the goal to stop a goal and we concede one I suppose to concede in three uh, Owen Morton's goal was a case of uh, the Dublin defence at Dublin forwards cleverly drew their men out like Donegal this was in the semi-final 2014 but is that not but a point where you go he's moving out there he's no danger I'm not going to fall for that so do you know what I mean is that not a defender going I know what he's doing here so what is influencing the, fen- the defender to make that decision what's expected and what has been communicated to the defender before the match um, is what is going to influence him so if you're a man you're doing a man marking job on Kieran Kenny if he only gets one or two points you've done a great job don't be worrying about anyone else and therefore your game sense is retracted or it's just put in a box and you don't even think about it because you're just marking your own man someone else's job so I think when you um, coaches go out and give just a specific role without um, giving a fella an opportunity to use his game intelligence. Use say, his brain, you're yeah. Mark and Woolley, don't let him get the ball as best you can. However, if <coughs> Jerry goes on his arse, you've got to get back and cover him because your Jerry's man's going to get a he's mm. going to get a goal. So <coughs> that is coachable. Um, and most instinctive defenders would have that ability, but it can be coached over as well. Oh, Morton's goal then, we would have worked in a couple of setups look over the years and Michael Savage with St Vincent as well. If, uh, in that situation, if I was Tyg Morley, I would, I would be timing when to step up, but I'd be waiting for the call from behind me mm. and I'm going to force the ball carrier, if you're coming through on goal, I'm going to force you to give a kind of a lob pass yeah. as best as possible, not let you go past me and Cluck was going to come out. And clear it out. Exactly. Right, um, yeah. So you, then, you walk through <coughs> these scenarios, like yeah. the tree in there and just someone bearing down on goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other one coming in at the angle then, Cluckson uh, and Michael Savage were such great, still are great shot stoppers that regardless of who was taking the shot, as opposed to if I'm Mark, my man on the edge of the D and I go out to go out to you and Connor pops the ball to the edge uh, to my man and he palms it in 
uh, we took the percentage uh, call where I'm actually going to stay my man pretend to go but I'm going to stay my man and force the ball carrier to shoot from that angle. angle from that angle yeah, right. yeah, yeah. that's a very good call yeah. that's a good call have to say we never did any walkthroughs like that in any, with any of my managers with Leash but it's all coachable then isn't it and I suppose they yeah. are the things yeah. exact things that and that's probably why after the Iron Final it all came out that Cluxton was looking at a laptop for for three hours yeah. in the training because he had, he had in his head seen a scenario like that and yeah. he didn't react to Spillane's goal like he, yeah. he thought he should have yeah now I, I uh, uh, different horse for courses and, and Clucko and Johnny Cooper and a few other lads they were all over that video analysis stuff myself and a few other lads I watch it once watch it twice yeah happy enough yeah yeah, yeah 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 move on like you know yeah. some fellas yeah. love but yeah. yeah torturing themselves <laughs> torturing themselves <laughs> <laughs> right listen listen boys that's always time for like I said the big did we, one did we predict there that, that oh yeah what, no. are we, what are we predicting <laughs> here <laughs> after all that I'm still going Kerry you fancy yeah. Kerry yeah. but I, I think if you look at me as a result against Donegal the couple of points that Tyrone bet me boy but it was a 4-5 or five and I already bet him um, maybe throwing Ardent where we think they are, but Machine coming in, we just start yeah. to make a difference. So, and but that's go with Kerry down there on Monday. We'll definitely cover Tyrone, um, and because we haven't talked about them yet, and we'll see what they're what they're shaping up as. Like I said, the big one in Division Two is Kildare and Armagh. And to be honest, I was I was thinking the loser of that is is under big pressure, and they are under pressure. But I think five wins will get you out of Division 2. I think four wins because the yeah, they're all beating each other. Like nine, nine points could get you out of there. Four wins and a draw and two losses. Do you know what I mean? It's such a dog-eat-dog um, one. So maybe there's not as much riding on that. Cork down, obviously, is that big one. You fancy Cork in Parky, Parky Keeve and in Division 4, Carlow are at home to Limerick. Carlow lose that. You'd imagine they're gone. The way Sligo are winning their games, Limerick would have been winning their games as well. So uh, yeah, keep your eye out for those ones. There's a big under twenty game. I think in Wicklow against Dublin in Ockram at two on Saturday. Right, and that started lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of these Wicklow fellas bet Dublin in the minors a couple of years ago. Right, so that will be interesting. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the, oh, that mi- oh they did they did they had yeah. a great minor team under yeah. Kevin O'Brien, yeah, didn't yeah. they? So <laughs> Mayo Goy yeah. and Saturday yeah. under twenty as well. So Mayo Goy, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's kind of completely flying under the radar. The under twenty, isn't it? Mm. Um, well, a great idea to put it in the middle of Sigerson and National League, isn't it? Yeah. Like Hope Park. Ah, well, that was a bizarre decision. All yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, if we start on that chair, we could be here for another <laughs> hour. Right. Come here. We'll go and we'll talk to you on Monday in the review show. Talk to you then. Good luck. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.